0: Blessed us, Lord, with your word. It is useful in so many ways, God. It is our guide in life. It is the truth that transforms us. It is our hope, uh, Lord, that you, you give us hope through your word. And so I ask that you would use Rich. Thank you for gifting him in the ways that you have. Thank you for using him in the ways you have, Lord. Uh, us imperfect human beings, we're so grateful that you choose to allow us to be part of your kingdom-building work. And so right now I ask that you would uh, speak through Rich powerfully. Holy Spirit, speak through him in such a way that you can... Vict hearts that you transform hearts, and uh, that you are made to be glorious. Pray these things in Jesus' name. kind of comment about our tech, crack tech team but they're awesome so thanks guys appreciate you help picking up it's gosh you know when you're trying to remember 15 details on a Sunday morning that's like the one you needed at this moment that you realize you forgot but God is good he's gracious and uh, and we don't mind letting folks see that we don't always have it all together um, that's why we need uh, a great savior um, today uh, we've been, uh, now I know some of you, you know, don't know this necessarily, but for those who do, we've been going through a series in the book of Jonah and I'm um, talking about how God pursues us. We are going to take a break from that today, uh, and uh, we're, we're actually going to start, uh, and uh, this sounds weird, but we're going to start another series within our series. So every few weeks, I'm going to come to talk about, to so take a break from Jonah, because sometimes you like, I would like to turn my Bible to another chapter uh, and read something different. Um, so, uh, so we're gonna have a, a series where every few weeks we're gonna um, we're gonna we're gonna go old school. We're gonna go back to the roots of what makes our church our church. Um, we're gonna talk about um, our distinctives, the the things that make Chorus, um the church that we are, the church that may make us different um, from other churches, and, and kind of say here are the things that define us as a church. Um, to know. Uh, what god wants his church because that's what we want to be we want to be the church that god wants us to be Um, because we exist for him a a church exists to to give god glory um, to praise him to worship him to gather together and to encourage people in him and to reach out um to um, to other people friends neighbors colleagues um a city a state and a world for his sake so if the church is about him, then we should want to be the church that he wants us to be. And to know what God wants his church to be, we need to know how we know anything about God, how we know who he is, how, he know, how we know what he values, how, uh, how we know what he has done, what, uh, how to know who we are supposed to be in him. Um, we know what he wants um, because He has told us what he wants, and and that process in which which God reveals what he wants or what he has to say to us, we call that process revelation. He has revealed himself to us. Over the course of history, God has revealed himself in many different ways. Um, uh, We we are told that God has revealed himself in creation, that, that he created a world, and that in his creation, we can see evidence of him, his power um you know his his grandeur um his his precision in, in like the, the smallest details uh, of of the world um his complexity um so we see him in creation um we we know that we see him in the human conscious he has revealed himself in a way in the heart of every person every person is made in the image of god and therefore still bears a heart that testifies to something beyond the individual um some greater truth or greater there in the human conscious, God reveals um, his existence. A sense, you see that in sense uh, a sense of truth, a sense of rightness and wrongness that we carry. Um, a sense, of, uh, a sense of, you know, uh, of, of mystery, that there's something out beyond ourselves. Um, we see that God has revealed himself through prophets, through people who've literally come with words from God to, to proclaim the um we we learned throughout the old testament that 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 god's people repeatedly had people come over and over to say this is the word of god and to tell people what uh, what god has said we, we we've seen uh seen accounts of angels coming to tell people so so god using even like a more direct um way from him to to go and deliver important messages we've seen Uh, What God wants to say through the testimony of his people Um, a a long time ago a people in Israel people a country a nation of his very own that he set aside to be a witness to the world um, of who he was and then um, in in, you know when, when Christ came and then he established his church and now his church are his people who are a testimony to who he is to what he has done and to why we are here. Ultimately. Uh, he has revealed him. He revealed himself in Jesus Christ, God Himself, in the person of His Son became a man to show the world who God is. Now, those are things that we know that God ha- has used to reveal Himself, and we know that because He has told us that these are things that He has used to reveal themselves. Um, he has given us His revelation. He's given us His revelation in one other way pretty big important way because it's the clearest the most objective and the most readily available revelation of himself um, the clearest way in which he has told us who he is what he has done and what he uh, and, and why we are here is in his word the scriptures the bible um, now now in, throughout church history churches have had what they call confessions of faith and these are basically documents that take everything um, that we've learned about God through his revelation and kind of put it into a system to explain this is what we believe. Um, one of the earliest is, was, was, was called uh, uh, the London Baptist Confession of Faith, and it says this about the Bible. The Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. Our own church member affirmation, the thing that when you become a member of this church, you agree with and you say, I believe this, says this. God has revealed himself in the holy scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, his verbally inspired words. All scripture is authoritative, it is infallible, and it is inerrant and stands as the only sufficient standard for faith in life. Because the scriptures, the word of God, the Bible, Um, is the thing that tells us who God is, what he has done, and who we are in him. Our first carous distinctive that we're going to look at in this series is that we are word-driven. We are word-driven, and what that means is that God creates and grows his church through his word, the Bible. Therefore, uh, expositional preaching, and that just means the point of the passage is the point of the sermon. I don't come up here and make up something that I want to talk about and then stick a Bible verse in there to say, see, the Bible said that. No, we look at what the verse said and let God's word speak for itself. Um, is uh, That is going to be practiced and modeled. This will bring people and programs under the authority of Scripture. Cars will then be word-driven, not results-driven. We long to teach and live out what God has taught us in his Scriptures. That's what we mean when we say cars is a word-driven church. Now, where do we get that? We get that because God's word has told us this and, and has told us that is reliable and it's told us that we know what god we know who god is and what he has done and what he has called us to because he has told us that um, If these things are true about what god has said then we have to we have to um, live as a church in light of what he said and, and here in our passage today we we see that this is what he said He wants his people and then by necessity his church to be. People who live, understand, and and carry out the Christian life as the word of God says. So let's look back at our passage today um, to see where where it tells us this. Let's start in verses 14 and then the first part of uh, verse 15 of chapter 3. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Okay, so the first thing um, we, we hear, and, and Paul, when he's talking about, um, as for you, he's talking specifically to Timothy. This letter um, that Paul's written to Timothy, Paul is essentially a spiritual mentor, uh, has, has, has helped Timothy um, come to and understand um, the Christian faith, respond to Christ, uh, uh, become one of uh, God's children in Jesus. And so, um, he's talking, but, but Timothy didn't just like like just one day know nothing about God and then, oh, now now I know about Jesus, okay, I'm going to follow him. He grew up as a, as a Jewish man, so he grew up knowing about the scripture and, and, and earlier in, in this letter, um, he talks about uh, Paul talks about um, the debt that he owes to his mother and his grandmother and, and Timothy's mother and grandmother were very faithful in teaching um, Timothy about the Word of God. and so um, he, um, he looks back at that, Paul looks back at experiences to say, you have been in the word of God for all this time, for your entire life. I need you now to continue in that. What, what Paul is doing here is he's actually has been commissioning Timothy and leading Timothy as Timothy has gone off to lead a church and to grow up other believers in the faith. And he says, you must know that you must continue in the word, um, that it was vital for him to know it, to learn it, to understand it, and to believe it. And from these things that Paul says that Timothy needs to do, we see things that we need um, to do um, with the Bible and and things that, so I'm going to categorize it today as things that we give to the Bible. So we're going to see a lot of things later that the Bible gives to us. Let's look at some things that we give to the Bible. The first thing we give is that we give our learning. Um, The passage says, continue in what you have learned. So we give our learning. We commit ourselves to knowing what God has said. Um, and commit ourselves to knowing what God has said. Um, there is a psalm, it's called Psalm 119. Um, the psalms are basically songs of worship, prayers, those kind of things written by many of them by David, but by lots of different, um, lots of different people back in the Old Testament. And um, Psalm 19 is the longest of them. In fact, it is the longest book of the entire Bible. And the entire um, passage of 119 uh is, is is basically a song or a prayer about how much god's people love god's word and so we'll, as, I, as i talk about this um portion about giving our learning i'm gonna look at several verses out of psalm 119 and the first one i'm looking at is psalm 119 verse 12 um blessed are you O lord teach me your statutes um, for people who, who, who love Jesus, who say they love Jesus, and that would be then a church. For a church that says we, we are committed to loving and following Jesus, we must want to be taught, which means we must want to learn. We give um, the Bible um, our, 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 our learning. We want to learn, and it's, it uses the word statutes. Um, there's lots of different words that, that God's word uses to describe God's word. Statutes, a statute, if you, you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, so a statute... Uh, means laws. I hear statutes like that's the law. Laws, rules, commandments, um, decrees. The Bible, anytime the Bible's using any of those words, he's talking about God's word, the things that God has said. So he said, blessed are you, Lord, teach me your statutes. We want to learn and know his words. Um, also from Psalm 119, later on verse 73, um, your hands have made me and fashioned me, give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Again, we see a commitment because we love God and we want to know him better. And because we want to be faithful to who he is, um, we want to learn his words. It is his words in how uh, that, that define how we are to live, how we are um, to be. So we read it. Um, if we're going to learn it, the very first thing we must do is we have to read it. It's it's, it, and read. I mean, listening to If you're if you're listening to it like a book, if you book on tape, it that's a thing people do. I can't. I'm like like 12 seconds into listening to book on tape. I'm thinking about the grocery list or or what happened in spring training today. It's just not. But 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 if you, but listening counts if it's the word of God before. But we read it. Um, it's good to read it. We should be people of the word. There's lots of times where the Bible talks about reading. It's a good thing to do for you non-readers you know, it, it's a good thing. Read. It's good. But um, so we read it. We read it together in church services. We're doing that. And um, we did that. We, re- we read through the passage. You could look at it there. You could look it up there. We read the word of God. Um, we do it in our Bible studies. The, the uh, groups that Josh was talking about earlier, our missional communities, we gather together. We have a meal. We pray for each other. Um, we, we spend time talking to each other. And we study. We study God's word. We get together and we read it together. Um, we read it devotionally. So we take time um, individually, by ourselves, in a time of and time prayer and and reading, and we read to just basically see how God relates to us, and and, and how it is that we we just do it as in a sense of just reading God's wishes for us and reading God's views um, about Himself, um, and we then we we also read it carefully, we study it. And, um, we we talk about studying your Bible. We actually like sit down and take a passage, and we say, "Okay, what does what does this phrase mean?" And we actually think about um, what it's doing. Those are all ways in which we learn about what the Bible says. We can we can we can study other teachers. We can read other books. We can listen to sermons. We do all those things are things that help us learn what um, God says. We give the Bible our learning. We also um, to be a word driven church. We also give the Bible our belief we give the bible our belief um we see here um, when he says continuing he says what you have learned and have firmly believed we commit ourselves to not only knowing what the bible says we commit ourselves to believing what the bible says um, james 1 22 be doers of the word and not um here's only um john 17 17 sanctify them in the truth your word is truth we accept what it says is true sanctify me in the truth your word is truth Um, so the first way in which we believe in it is that we accept it we accept it as true and then because we accept it as true we do it we be doers of the word we don't just listen to it Um, the way i kind of think about what it means to trust in god's word is this imagine you have a large river you need to be on the other side and the and and you know this isn't like a logic problem where you have to figure out you have a boat and a lion you have to figure out how to go back and forth no it's it, it's this simple there's a bridge okay so there's like if I got to get across the river it's a bridge we have one you may pass across it every now and then it's not a trick it's like go across the bridge now if you go you look at the bridge and you go hey that's a bridge its purpose is to get me from this side to that side of the river. I can see it's well-constructed, and in fact, we just spent several months only using one bridge to know that it's like really well-safely constructed. And so we, 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 we know it's a good, strong bridge, and we know that it's safe to cross. I know all of these things about that bridge. That's the first part of the thing. We trust by accepting what it says is true. I look at the bridge, and I go, that's a bridge. It's true, and it will work. You need that. You need that knowledge. If you, like, had never, uh, you know, let's say you're an alien, you come down, and the first thing you see is a river and a bridge, and you don't know what that is, you go, I, how do I get over there? What's that thing? Okay, you have to know it. You have to accept that that is a thing that will get you from one side to the other side. But that is not enough to define belief, because we also have to trust by following what it says. We actually, if we want to get from one side to another... We need to know it's a bridge. We need to know it's capable to get us to the other side. And then we actually have to go across it. Um, We trust the bridge when we know what it is, and then we use it for what it's there for. We trust God's word by accepting that what it says is true, and we trust in God's word by following what it says. Um, So we give the Bible our belief by accepting it and by trusting it. So we give the Bible our learning, we give the Bible our belief. Last thing I want you to see in in this verse, uh, or uh, this little portion here, is that we give the Bible our affections. We give the Bible our affections. Um, uh, Paul says again, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and we talked about that, it's his mother and his grandmother, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Let me ask you this. What kind of things were important to you in childhood that are still important to you now? Um, you know, I, I I can look back and I say, what are things like? okay, so my family and pizza and the Kansas City Royals? And that's a pretty that's a pretty exhaustive list, okay? What's that? Star Wars? Yeah, I was eight. okay, what kind of Star Wars two. So you know, um, but (laughs) but but, and I can come up with that list because I can remember all the way back to then and how those things were important to me, and how those things were things that I cherished. Um, And and that's what we call nostalgia. Why are we nostalgic from things of the past? Because not because it's like, well, I, I I processed that information once and when I was younger now that I see that information again I'm kind of interested in in reliving that information for the information sake no that's how we do it we are nostalgic for things in the past because we have an emotional attachment to it it's something that touched our heart it's something that made us feel good about something um, you know when I was a kid it was watching the royals win and then in the in the 90s it wasn't that but um, and now it is again so um, but um, but it was about, you know, experience excitement, and, and pizza tasted good. It was it a was reaction in my family. It, you know, experience experienced love. And, and so when you look back on, on the things from your childhood, is it your family? Is it a childhood and home? A long-gone pet? A favorite toy or, or a TV show or a song? Um, Nostalgia is a big thing because it promotes, provokes an emotional response. We remember good things about the past fondly because they were emotionally meaningful to us. There's a sense here in Paul is making the same kind of heart connection um, about the Bible, making the same heart connection um, about God's word for Timothy. He has learned to know his word his whole life. Um, it was something that was important to him, then it's something that's important to him now. Um, he is, he's highlighting that it was these people that were important to you that helped you have this knowledge and love for God's word. Uh, it was your mother and grandmother, again, using the things that would emotionally be meaningful to him. To, 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 to tell Timothy how to look at the word. Essentially, he's telling Timothy to love the word of God, to have an emotional response to it, to cherish it. And that wouldn't have been odd to Timothy, since we know he grew up learning God's word. Again, we look in Psalm 9, uh, 119, uh, verse 48 says this, I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Lift up my hand. it's a, a worshipful, loving longing kind of feel. You don't reach out for something you don't want. It's like, here's some trash. Yay. No, you reach out for things that are good. I reach out to embrace my wife or my child or the pizza again. It's, it always works. You reach for things that, that you love, that you, um, that you cherish. Um, what else does it say? It says um, that I love it that I meditate on it. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about things that aren't, you know, that, that a, a, like, dwelling and meditating. And I think dwell is another good word. Dwelling and just thinking about how good things that are irrelevant to me, or, or at least irrelevant to my day-to-day. I mean, actuarial tables about how i will live, important, not a thing I care about in the day-to-day, but things that, that I want to think and dwell about. It's like, oh, you know, it, no, those, those, those are things you meditate on, And dwell on things that you prioritize, um, that you want to have as part of your life, that you cherish, that you don't want to live without. God wants us to love his word. As a church, we want to pursue that kind of love. Um, Too often, we look at at, at reading the Bible, studying the Bible, um, dwelling on the Bible, and think of it as a chore but it's not a chore, it's a great privilege. The Lord of the universe has decided to speak to us. He has decided, I love you and I want you to know about my love for you. So I wrote you a book here and you go, and if somebody like actually, you know, if you were know, you like, dating somebody and they say, I love you and I wrote you a book about it, you'd go, that's pretty awesome. Um, and you and you cherish it because it took a it took a lot of work. Here it took thousands of years and lots of different authors to to bring us his word. Um, and and or or put it like this: If we were walking around and God just like literally audibly started speaking to us, clear as day, and said, "Hi, Derek, I love you. Um, I sent my son to die for you. Here's th- things about Derek that I want you to know about our relationship." Derek would be mighty impressed by that. I think all of us would be mighty impressed by that. Um, but here's the thing. God has done that. He has spoken to us. He has given us everything we need to know about him. Everything we need to know about him, he has told us about. Everything we need to know about who we are, he has told us about. Um, everything about how much he loves us and, how, and what he expects of us, he's told us that. Um, the Lord of the universe cared about us enough to do that it is something that we should cherish and as a church we strive to do that so because we are word driven we see there are things we give to the bible we give our learning we give our believing and we give our affection okay so that's what we give to the word the word gives so much more to us so let's take a look at what the word gives us so that we want to learn and we want to believe and that we want to love the bible the first thing the Bible gives to us, as indicated in our passage here, is that the Bible gives us the way to salvation. The Bible gives us the way to salvation, or what we normally call, around here, gives us the gospel. Um, verse, the, the second half, of verse 15, says that the sacred writings are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That is the very short version of the most important thing that we can possibly know in our lives. Because in other words, it gives us everything we need to know about how to be, quote, saved, to have a relationship with God, to be forgiven for sins, to be redeemed and made righteous in him, to be loved and accepted by him, to have a hope and a future with him. Because it gives us the gospel. The word gospel means good news. It is good news. Some of it doesn't sound good, But the whole of it together is the most important and glorious and wonderful news that there is. The Bible tells us about who God is. It tells us that he is perfectly holy, that he is perfectly righteous, that he is perfectly good, that he is perfectly just and perfectly loving and perfectly merciful and perfectly gracious, and a thousand other things about him, about how perfect he is tells us that god made all of creation made everything that there is was because god made it um and then as its crowning achievement as he said the thing i made that's best of all the things i made are us our people it's not the mountains which can you you know i see a mountain and i kind of crumble i'm like that's so cool because we don't really have mountains here. And so it's like, you know, like I remember I used to think that about the Capitol, like every time I see the Capitol. And then like I work across from it every day. And so after a while, like you, there are days you don't really notice it. And I'm like, oh. And so I was, I'm afraid if I live in the mountains, it's like, oh, Thursday. All right. No, you know, but, but for me, a mountain is like, that's, awe. Oh, the sea, oh, I remember um, like the first time we ever took a cruise just out on the deck one day. And it, like, it was our first morning and we'd been, you know, we'd been sailing the whole night before. And I went outside, and I looked, and there was water, and there was water, water. And I just walked, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. The, 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 the sea is big, <laughs> right? It's like, it's so vast. Or or when you're flying, and you look down and just see the vastness of the world below, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. Um, that's really amazing. And God said, yeah. But you're, you're, but you're my favorite. You're the best thing that I made. It's people, men and women. He created everything else and said it was good. created man and woman. He said, very good. He made us because he loves us. He wanted us to be in relationship with him, to love him, to honor him because he had given us this tremendous gift of making us, to serve him because he had. He had given us everything. Why wouldn't we serve him? The Bible tells us that instead of all those things, instead of loving him and honoring him and serving him, we rebelled against him. We chose to serve not him, but we chose to serve ourselves. We chose not to love him, but we chose to love ourselves. We decided we don't want you to be God. We want to be our own gods. Tells us that our rebellion is sin. It is an unspeakable offense against the one who made us, and loved us, and wanted us, and we rejected that. I'm sure, that there are times in all of our lives when we experience rejection, when there's something that we wanted and and we were and we were told no. We're rejected. And I was like, "Ouch, that hurts." Take. I'll take that feeling and imagine it on the most ultimate cosmic scale possible. And maybe, just maybe, we can start to grasp how serious our rejection of God is. Just start to grasp how serious it is. Our sin is an utter rejection of the goodness and greatness of God and elevating a thing he made to ultimate instead of making, keeping ultimate the thing, the, the one that made us. Essentially what we're doing is we're rubbing his face in our love of ourselves. That's what our sin does. It tells us that our sin, because it is such a great offense, results in punishment. And punishment is death. First, a death in this life, which was not the way it was supposed to be. We're created to live with him forever, and then we rebelled. And so came death. But it's not just death in this life. Sin is so heinous, such a violation of God's goodness. And his holiness and his righteousness, that it requires um, an eternal death, an eternal separation from who we were made to be. And it tells us that even though God punishes sin, I so, said, so the good news is, it, it's, it's good news, and here's why it's good news. Even though God punishes sin, he must punish sin. If he didn't punish sin, he would not be holy because he would be blemished by sin. If he did not punish sin, he would not be just. A just judge doesn't go, yeah, you know, killed a few people, robbed some banks, whatever. It's cool. We're okay. No, a good judge, a just judge wouldn't do it. We would we, be outraged. You see somebody who's got a lot of money and hire better lawyers than me, and, and you know, and, and, and they take a guy and they, you know, say, heinous crime, eh, give him six months in jail, you know, because his, cause his dad could afford a better lawyer. And we go... That's outrageous. That's wrong. Where's this other guy who, you know, he's from the streets and he's just he he, his his we don't even know where his dad is. He can go to prison for 20 years, no problem. We we scream out, that's unjust. It's unjust. Because because the crime wasn't punished appropriately. But because God is perfectly just, there must be punishment. So God doesn't just overlook sin and just go, never mind, because that would make him less than he is. So he has to punish the sin. But here's the thing. He loved us so much that he wanted us so much that he was willing to look for a way to both punish our sin and thus remain perfectly just and perfectly righteous, yet still restore our relationship with him, still bring him to us, um, still have us to when he could love us forever. And he did that. Even in our sin, he himself came to this earth in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. He came to live the perfect life that we were made for, but we rejected. He didn't reject it. He came and he said, whatever the father says, that's what I'm doing. I live as he called me to live. And thus, being perfectly innocent, he said, and now that I have have earned righteousness and not punishment, instead... I'm going to take punishment because, because a perfect person, a spotless person, of which none of us could be, in fact, a person who himself is not just a person but his God himself, he can take the punishment and say, I'll take the punishment in their place. So he, he suffers the punishment of death, uh, a, a vile death, uh, 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 an ignoble death, you know, the, the death of a criminal so that Judge, judge God, Justice could be satisfied, but sinners could still come to him. He died so that we had a way to him. Um, and it tells us that way to him. It tells us that the way to him is by faith, by trusting in him, trusting what he did for us, by dying for us. And that by his death, and by his death alone and nothing else, um, we are reconciled to him. We are, we are reconciled to him. We are made right with him. We are adopted by him as sons and daughters whom he loves and wants to spend forever with that's the gospel that's the good news that is what god tells us the way that makes us wise for salvation we don't need anything else we we, the word has said this is how you come to me we don't have to go well yeah but maybe we need to do other stuff so um, let's come up with some other ways that we can get to god too Uh, No, we don't need that. We we don't need to go sit in a confessional booth every week to make sure that he didn't miss a sin when he died for us. Um, We don't need to pray facing Mecca five times a day to make sure we're being holy enough. We don't need to observe high holy days and avoid leavened bread for a week each spring to show him how righteous he is. We don't need self-actualization and transcendental meditation or to open up our chakras or to find our bliss or any of that. We don't need any of that. All we need is Jesus. All we need is Jesus. All we need is faith in him. Um, Faith in Christ Jesus to be set right, to to be remade back into the people we were always meant to be, to be wise for salvation. So the Bible tells us how we can find salvation, how we can be made right with God. The Bible also gives us instructions for the Christian life. It gives us instructions for the Christian life Um, Verses 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. By trusting um, in Christ, we become one of his. We become what we call a Christian, a child of God. God tells us that there are things that please him. There are things that he desires there are things that make us become, look, live as the people he has made us through what he's done through Jesus. So how does, he, how does his words make us more like him? First of all, through teaching. We talked earlier about leaning. Here's what the, you know, if we learn, I mean not leaning, learning. We learned about learning. Now, here's the part it gives. Like, if you're going to learn, it's going to teach. God's going to teach us through his word. Um, we learn by being taught. The Bible does the teaching. It, is, it tells us who God is what he is like, who we are, and what we are to be like. And, and when I say it says it, I mean God says it. It tells us that the word is breathed out by God. Um, men wrote this book, okay? Men literally took this like It's not like, you know, lightning bolt. Oh, you know, it wasn't that kind of thing. That's not how God did it. It said men wrote the words, you know, the picked up thing. But here's the thing. Men were basically the secretaries giving us the words that God breathed out. God reached into these hearts and said, my words, write my words. These are my words. Just like the prophets of old who used to say, the word says this, the men who wrote the, um, the Bible said, he said to them, these are my words, write them them. They are breathed out by like God. They are words written through his people, not by his people, but through his people, um, for his people. So we know that who God is. We know that it teaches us what he's like. We know that it teaches us what he wants from us because he is the one who said the words. So it's good for teaching. It's good for reproof. Um, reproof. There's a word we don't really use every day. Bible tells us not only um, about who he is, but he tells us um, about who we are. And and in, in our flesh, in our sin, without him, we 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 are kind of wrong about a, a whole whole lot of things. Um, it tells us, but it's not only about it tells us about our wrong actions what things we do that are sinful and wrong and self-serving, but it tells us about our wrong thoughts, our wrong feelings, our wrong emotions, our wrong um, hearts, how sin negatively affects us. Um, Basically, reproof is is a confrontation of sin. It calls us to the mat. It tells us how our pride and our selfishness and our, that word I used earlier, rebellion, um, distort our true identity in him. It makes us into something we were never meant to be. Um, and it's also good for correction and training in righteousness. Um, telling us what's wrong, it then sets us right. It tells us, um, it, it, the, the word actually talks about the restoration of something to its proper condition. Um, that's what God's word does. It says, okay, here's your sin, it's a problem, but here's right, here's, here is the opposite. Here's righteousness. So take what I've taught you and, 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 and live in that. Live in what's true. it it, it sets us in the right way again like the gospel is sufficient for salvation and we just talked about everything we need to know about being made right with god is in his word everything we need to know about how to live for god is in his word it is sufficient Um, it says the god word leaves us competent which means able we're capable of doing it and equipped we have what we need to know for every good work every good work not some good works, and we'll figure out the rest as we go um, for every good work. Everything that we need to live the lives he wants us to live is in here. Um, they, um, we, we don't need any other revelation for God except his word. There's not special messages that, he, that we have to decode, um, or there's not special um, prophecies that we need to wait to hear about what we're supposed to do or, or who we're supposed to talk to, or or those kind of things. Um, A lot of Christians miss this. A lot of Christians spend so much of their lives and times and energy wondering, should I be doing this or that? Should I be in this job or that? Should I go here or there? We worry that we're displeasing God or missing out on things that we're supposed to be doing, even for things that that, that the Bible either um, just gives us guidelines to help figure out, gives us wisdom, or doesn't tell us anything about. Um, and we go, but I don't know if God wants me to do that. Well, did He say? Did He say, do this or don't do that? If He did, do that. If He did, well, not explicitly, but here's some things you should know as you make out the decision. And he's given us wisdom. And he says, no, that that I, that I didn't have anything to say. That then we have freedom. Um, but instead, we 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 spend so much time trying to figure out what God may want to say to us about what we're supposed to do, and we're worried that we're sinning because we're not doing the thing he's, we're supposed to do, that we miss that, and we ignore the things that he explicitly told us that we're supposed to do. We ignore what he has told us in exchange for looking for things that he hasn't told us. Um, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law, He has revealed to us everything he wants us to do today. He he has revealed to us everything he expects of us. Tomorrow, the Bible says, let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough concerns of its own. God has tomorrow. If we knew tomorrow, we would be like God, but we don't. We know right now. We know everything that's happened up to now, but we don't know the future. Um, God knows the future. God's in control of the future. Let God handle the future. You be faithful today. He has revealed everything we need to know about how to live the Christian life. Trust in what he has said. Give, the Bible gives us um, all the instruction we need for living the Christian life. The, uh, the Bible gives us focus for our worship. So we know how to live the life, and then we gather together to worship him. And what do we do? We do what the Bible says. Um, uh, Chapter 4, starting at verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is there to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. The Bible gives us focus for our worship. Paul is telling Timothy that his primary duty, the most important thing that he's going to do as he leads a church, is preach the word of God. It is the ultimate, most vital thing that the church does together. The center of Christian worship must be on the word of God. Now, sometimes in the church, we use the word worship, and what do we think of? Singing, music, you know. We have the worship time, and then we have the preaching time. God never says that. God's worship it's all worship and it's all focused around the preaching of the word we must always start with it and we do here in the the first thing uh typically um on many weeks the first thing you'll hear is the word of god features throughout our liturgy as we go we either will read verses together or um the worship leader will read um uh, uh god's word to us as and then we sing songs that are based on his word and point to his word and then we all read it together, and then somebody like me stands up here and talks about it. Well, for what seems like a really long time, um, but, but that's because it's central. It's it's the central part of our worship. And then when we're done, uh, you know, it's right in the middle. It's right in the important part. If you're going to be late, you'll still hear the preaching of the word. If you got to leave early, you still hear the preaching of the word. It's it's important. It's the important thing. So it's the central thing in our service. Um, it's because it's the central thing that God's worship. And how is it preached? Um, Similar to words that we've seen, reproof, rebuke, exhortation, means it corrects us, it teaches us doctrine, the things he wants us to know, gives us instructions of how to apply his doctrine to our lives, and it gives us encouragement to urge us um, towards doing those things. It leads us all to know him more, not just individually, because if we could do it individually, we wouldn't have to draw together. It wants us to come together as a group and know how to follow him as a group and know how to equip ourselves as a body um, for this. And how often is it preached? It's preached all the time. The word says in season and out of season and with patience um, and teaching. You know if all teaching could be done, the school in, in like one day and in one shot, the school year would be one day long, but it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a process. It takes time. Um, And so we do it over and over and over. You want to hear the gospel? Come every week, and we're going to tell you over and over and over what Jesus Christ has done for you, what God has called you to, because it's the most important thing we have. We never tire of hearing it. We never tire of doing it. We'll never give up on people hearing um, what God has to say. Last thing the Bible gives us is it gives us protection from false teaching and selfish learning. It gives us protection from false teaching and selfish learning. Um, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. People will not endure sound teaching in our flesh. People don't want to hear about these things. They don't want to hear about sin. They don't want to hear about our inability to be good enough. They want to hear that God is holy and, and we alone are not. Um, we don't want to hear about that God calls us not to, um, not to um, earthly power or the satisfaction of all our desires, but to things like sacrifice and surrender and submission. Dirty words, right? Um, words that our flesh rebel against. Um, we, people don't want to hear that. They want to hear teaching that makes them feel better about themselves. They want teaching that meets their felt needs. Whatever I, whatever it is, like, I really just want to be fed on what I want to be fed on. We want to hear, we want to hear calls, declaring calls for political power and, and seizing the country and taking it back for America. We want, we want to hear about being the best you you can be and, and how you can have your best life now instead of hearing die to yourself daily, and take up your cross and follow me. There are lots of preachers who will give people what they want, and there are lots of churches that are full of lots and lots of people hearing about the things that people want. We take them, we we, we take, it's like, what are we going to tell about? We're going to tell about things that are going to get people in the door. We're not going to be one of those churches. We're going to go to the Word of God, because the Word of God will keep us from wanting to feed our own needs, to feed our own wants, and to feed our own desires. Tells us to turn away from truth and wander off, they wander off into myths, myths that promise health and wealth, Um, words of prophecy about how great we are, calls to take America back for God, calls um, for earthly good deeds with no concern about eternity and what happens when, um, when the people who need help now will need help after death. Lots of different ways that we turn preaching into what we want to hear instead of what he has told us Um, except maybe stick in a random bible verse that you think helps make your point Um, by sitting under the plane here's this word again expositional that's just going through the passage verse by verse and explaining what it says by sitting under that where your pastors or preachers explain what the words say and mean for us I'm, i'm not inventing stuff to say i go through the passage and i said here's what i think it says and let me help help you help understand what that says. We're not going to try to squeeze Scripture into our ideas, even if my ideas are wrong, uh, or I'm not going to take them over Scripture. Scripture is what is going to guide what we say. Um, We train ourselves to want that. When we sit after it over and over, we are training ourselves to go, yeah, I think that, but what does God say? We train ourselves to want good teaching, of what he has said to want what's true and good and always right because it is what he said and not what we've made up so as we have seen today it is his word his word breathed out by god that is profitable for teaching for correction for training in righteousness and his word that is sufficient to tell us how to become his so that we can be equipped for every good word his word is perfect his word is perfect, as he is perfect. Why should we need, seek anything else? Let us individually and as a body, as a church, always be driven by his word. Would you pray with me? And we Father, Lord, um, you are.